Hey, good morning, Forest Park. Again, great to see you. Thank you for being here today as we continue our series called Forward Together. This is part two, so if you're joining us today for the very first time, whether you're in person or online, and you didn't hear last week, I encourage you to go to our YouTube channel. It's there for free. You can check out part one. There's some things in part one we'll allude to again today, but each message builds on the other, so I'd love to have you be a part of the entire series, so check it out when you get a chance. This past week, I met with several people and discussed painful situations, situations going on in their life, making life pretty difficult for them. And as I listened, I I wanted to offer more than advice and simple encouragement. I wanted to offer each an invitation to a growing, strong, vibrant group of people facing similar situations. I wanted to offer them therapy, mentors, a well-developed spiritual growth process but I couldn't. I offered a few suggestions, provided some advice, wisdom, and even prayer, but that irritated me. It disappointed me. You need to know one of my deepest frustrations as a pastor is being in situations like I described without the necessary resources or money or talent or people to provide what these people need to heal and to reach their fullest potential. Here's what I mean. Wouldn't it be amazing if we offered a group or two here at Forest Park designed to help those going through divorce? When you sit down with people and they're going through this horrible marital issue and it has led to the place where the marriage is falling apart and they don't know what to do and they're not sure how to go forward, what to do with the emotions, what to do with all the different... Wouldn't it be amazing if we could say, you know what, we have a group of people who are either in that situation or have been through that situation, and we've got some folks who can actually help you walk this journey. They meet every Tuesday evening at Forest Park. Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be incredible to offer a group or two designed for those facing tough parental challenges right now? Maybe a middle school student, a high school student, and the parents aren't sure what to do or how to go about it. We have collected wisdom and collected truth that we could pull together. What about those facing health problems? What about those facing financial guidance and need financial guidance? Imagine if we had a couple of groups led by loving and faithful adults focused on students. Like getting together with some middle school students or high school students and say, hey, you know what? When I was in middle school, I made this decision and it was the stupidest decision I ever made in my life. Don't make that decision. Instead, make this decision. Let me tell you what I learned when I was in high school. Let me share with you what I've learned now that I, you know, got out of high school and, and, and making a life for myself. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had like two new middle school groups and two new high school groups led by faithful and loving adults? What about a group for those who are new to the faith, with all the questions that that has. What about a group or two for those who want to wrestle through the mysteries of Scripture and the deeper things, and they just get together and bounce around questions and ideas? Can I be honest with you? If we had what I just described, all those different groups, we would be closer to a healthy church. Why? Because healthy churches change lives. And we can impress you from afar sitting in rows on Sunday mornings. 
Come in here, sit in the front, sit in the back, sit on the side, watch what happens on the stage. Somebody comes up and does a great job with a song or plays an instrument and we preach a message and you're like, wow, I'm impressed by what's going on up front. We can impress you from afar, but we can only impact your life up close. Sitting in circles in small groups, talking about life, collected wisdom and truth. And here's what I know. We have every dollar, person, resource, leader, mentor, student, everything we need to reach every person we desire to reach right here at Forest Park. But right now, the money is diverted to other areas, the talent is spent on other things, the resources are invested elsewhere. We have everything we need. But many of you don't realize you hold it within your hands. Many of you have no idea your potential. You have no idea what you are capable of accomplishing and for what you are designed to do in life. So here's my goal. Over the next few minutes, I want to do the best I can to awaken about 50 people who are asleep to their potential and inspire another 50 people to move from where they are to where they could be, to actually take out their calendar and their checkbook and say, I'm ready to make a difference with my time and my resources, and I'm going to join other people who want to make a difference and together accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. Now listen, if, I, if what I've said so far inspires you, if what I've said so far causes something to rise within you and you say yes, then I want you to listen carefully because God may have something amazing for you and I want to do the best I can to help you figure out what that is. But I'm not so naive as to believe everybody's on board. So it's possible there are a few of you who are like, you know what, that kind of ticks me off. I mean, come on, Scott, get off it, you know. Quit trying to make me feel guilty. If that's how you feel, then I want you to listen carefully because it's possible you have an incorrect or an incomplete understanding of God and his church, and I want to do the best I can to change that or fix that for you, all right? Let's go to Acts chapter 6 because I want to set a story up for you, and I want you to see something that happened in the early church. Acts chapter 6, let me tell you what's going on before we get to the passage. The church, early church, exploding in growth. I mean, it is growing by leaps and bounds. There are people coming in from every area of, uh, of, of, of Jerusalem and outside of Jerusalem. There are Jewish people giving their life to faith. There are people who didn't have any religion at all giving their life to Jesus. And there are pagans coming in and everything is getting mixed together. And the church is growing so fast, the leaders can't even keep up with all the different needs. That's what's happening. Acts 6, verse 1. About that time, while the number of disciples continued to increase, a complaint arose. You think? If you think complaining in church is a new phenomenon, you are incorrect. Complaining happened at the very birth of the church. You know why complaining happens? Because people get together. And anytime you put a group of people together, problems are going to rise to the top. And when problems arise to the top, guess what people do? Complain. So complaining was something that happened at the very birth of the church. Complaining continues to happen today. Here was the complaint. Greek-speaking disciples accused the Aramaic-speaking disciples because their widows were being overlooked. Basically, they were saying, look, you're not feeding our widows. You're feeding their widows, but you're not feeding our widows, and they're being overlooked in the daily food service. 
So what happened? This is very important. What happened when this complaint arose? The 12 called a meeting. I should have put that in red. They called a meeting. A meeting in church is also not a new phenomenon. Anytime you have people, you have complaints. And whenever there are complaints, somebody's got to get together, meet and talk about the complaints and come up with a solution. So complaining and meetings in church go back to the very beginning. And guess what we do today? We have people who complain and we get the leaders together to have a meeting and discuss what are we going to do about all these complaints. It happens. It's been happening since the beginning. The 12 called a meeting and said, it isn't right for us to set aside proclamation of God's word in order to serve tables. So what did they do? Because here's the problem. The problem is you've got a group of widows who are not receiving food on a daily basis. That's a problem. There are some widows getting the food. There are some widows not getting the food. The people rise up and say, this is not fair. And they bring the needs to the disciples. They bring the needs to the leaders of the church and say, what are you going to do about it? What are you leaders going to do about our problems and needs? So what did the leaders do? Very important. Now, before we get to what they did, I'm going to tell you what they didn't do. Before I tell you what they said, I'm going to tell you what they didn't say. The leaders didn't say, we can't meet all these needs. You know, you brought these needs to us, but we can't meet all these needs. So I don't know what to tell you. You're going to have to figure it out yourself because we can't do it. It's not our responsibility as a church to meet all the needs. That's not what they said. They didn't say, send the widows away and let them go back home and find somebody else to help feed them. That's not what they said. Here's what they did. Here's what they said. Brothers and sisters, this is the leader speaking, carefully choose seven well-respected men from among you. Very interesting. They must be well-respected and endowed by the Spirit with exceptional wisdom. We will put them in charge of this concern. They came to the leaders and said, leaders, we got problems in the church. What are you leaders going to do about it? And the leaders turned around and said, no, 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 no. What are you going to do about it? We're going to flip this back around and put it back to the body of Christ and say, you guys have problems within the body. People are being neglected, so you are going to have to figure out what to do about this. Here's what they did. They went to the body and they said, we have a group of people whose needs are not being met and a group of people who have the abilities to meet the need. Within this group of people, hundreds of new people coming to faith, thousands of people following Christ, we have all the resources, the ability the wisdom, everything we need to get the job done. We know you have at least seven qualified men among you. You take the responsibility and run with it, and we leaders are going to do what only we leaders can do. We're going to preach and pray and present the gospel, and you guys are going to feed the hungry. What an incredible solution. Notice a couple things. First of all, the leaders did what only they could do. What do you mean only they could do? Only the, the disciples, only the apostles could preach and teach and pray and lead at that level. They were the ones gifted to do that. That's the only thing they could do really, really well. And they stayed in their lane and they did what they were gifted and called to do. And they engaged other people to do the rest. 
the leaders of the church did not stop teaching and praying and presenting the gospel in order to feed people. Now, folks, I'm going to be as honest and as transparent as I possibly can be, okay? There are a lot of things I do not do well. Now, that is not the time to say amen. That is the time to just listen and say amen at another part of the service. It'll help me feel good. I can't sing well. I can't play an instrument. I don't run tech well. I mean, I can learn some basics and get us through if we're in a bind at some levels. I don't teach kids well. I can't sit down and write a big check. I don't have that kind of money. I give. That's all I can do. But there are a few things I do decently well. I can teach all right. I can lead a team decently. I can cast vision reasonably well. I can cook chili. You know, that's about it. Like, I got a pretty short list of things I do pretty well, all right? But there are a long list of things that I do not do well. There are some things we are designed to do, and there are some things we are not designed to do. And when we discover what we are designed to do and we do them faithfully, guess what happens? Everything gets done. But if we don't, then lots of things don't get done or they get done sloppily. That's my new word, sloppily. Let me explain. If you grew up in church, this is going to sound somewhat familiar to you. If you're new to church, I'm sorry, but this is the way the church has operated for a lot of years. And the names that I'm going to use here are just names I made up. If they reflect anybody at Forest Park, it's completely by accident, okay? This is how a lot of churches operate. John is created and designed to serve in an administrative capacity at the church. Maybe serve on the finance team or a planning committee, but he doesn't know there is a place for him on that team. So he joined the band instead. That's not his strength. That's not really even something he's passionate about, but he could play the guitar a little bit, so he wanted to do something, so he joined the band. Kara would be fantastic leading a group, but no one helped her discover her ability to lead a group, so she joined the financial team because she works at a bank every week, and everybody said, oh, you'd be great on the financial team. Ryan would be amazing on the tech team, but he's in parking because he knew Jeremy in parking, and Jeremy invited him. Ryan doesn't even like parking cars, but that's the only available opportunity he knew about. Ashley and her husband, Mark, serve in the nursery. But they would have been perfect as group leaders, but they felt guilty about the lack of volunteers in the nursery. Janice and her friend, Laurel, are both exceptional with community outreach, but it looks like there's no place for them, so neither of them serve anywhere. And then there's Jeffrey. Jeffrey's so excited about his church. He leads a group, sings when he can, feeds community, uh, community outreach every third Tuesday, and volunteers for the First Impressions team. He is tired. He is almost burned out, but the need is so great. That's how most churches operate. Some people in the wrong position, some people in no position, some people in too many positions. You see, our goal is to help find out where you belong and move you into that position so you can function well right in that place. And when you function in your place and I function in my place and we all stay in the places that we are designed to be in and do them to the best of our ability, incredible things happen. Second observation is the leaders of the church assumed responsibility for the needs of the people. I noticed that they didn't turn the widows away. They said, wait a minute. 
We have a need. We're not going to turn them away. We're just going to have to figure out how to do it. If you were with us a few weeks ago, then you remember I, I talked about how the interaction Jesus had with his disciples, remember when they were confronted with thousands of people who were hungry? And uh, the people's stomachs started growling and people started complaining because they were hungry. And the disciples were like, what? Hey, send these people back home. It's getting late. They need to go back to their villages. They need to go get some food. And what did Jesus say to the disciples? You give them something to eat. What if we as a church, what if we as leaders, staff members, what if we as volunteers, what if we who sit here and call Forest Park Church home, what if we, rather than saying, we don't have the resources, we don't have the abilities, we don't have the room, we don't have the money. What if we started saying something like this? If the need is in front of us, then we have the responsibility to meet it. Now we just got to go find out how and who. What if we took that approach? You see, the New Testament church assumed every need presented to them was their responsibility to meet it. The challenge was to determine how and who would meet it. Now, this is so important, very important. I want you to hear me very well on this, okay? My goal in this message and in this series is not to make you feel guilty. Right? It's not really to heap more work upon you than you already have. And if you think I'm leveraging this platform or you think I'm leveraging this microphone to twist you into doing something that you really don't want to do, or to make you feel guilty or manipulate you through guilt or condemnation, please, you can leave. I don't mean right now, after the service, you can leave. <laughs> but leave. I don't want you to leave. I'm not saying leave, get out like I'm angry. I'm saying I don't want you to be a part of something that you think is manipulating your emotions or pushing you or guilt tripping you. If that's how you ever feel, hey, you have every right to say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. Because I don't want anybody to ever feel that way. I don't want anybody to ever feel that they're being pushed into doing something because they need to please me or please the staff or please God. That's not what the point of this is. Here's my goal. My goal is to awaken some of us who are sleeping to our potential and move us into from a wrong position to a right position or maybe from an inferior position based on your design to where you could soar and do amazing. Slip people in and out and put them in places so that we can all function and be healthy. Now it's possible you might think, well Scott, is it really that big of a deal? I mean, come on, you know, everybody in being involved is, is important, but I mean, it's, it's really not about getting in the right position. I mean, God sees our heart and if we're sincere, even though we're in the wrong position, that's what matters is sincerity. Well, sincerity certainly does matter, absolutely, and God does see the heart, but it's more than that. It's more than just being sincere. If, if you were with us last week in part one, we looked at 1 Corinthians 12. Paul uses the human body to show how the body of Christ ought to function on earth. The body of Christ, just like our human body, has many parts, 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 you, you, and you. We all have a part in the body, and together we form one body. And the body of Christ, just like the human body, must have the parts aligned and positioned correctly to be healthy and grow. Being a little facetious here, but can you imagine the body parts, my body parts, being arranged any way it wants to, and they all say, well, at least we're sincere. So I have a foot on this shoulder and a hand down there, and it's like, well, you can't really walk or function. Well, we're sincere. 
Well, you are sincere, but you're designed to be a hand. You're not, supposed to, you're not supposed to walk on your hand. You're supposed to walk on your foot. You're using your foot to grab the coffee and your hand, you're trying to walk. I know you're sincere, but you're in the wrong position. With all that in mind, look at what he says in 1 Corinthians 12, 17, 18, 19. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, what would happen to the hearing? You wouldn't have any hearing. That's what would happen to the body. And if the whole body were an ear, what would happen to the sense of smell? You wouldn't have a sense of smell if the whole body were an ear. Verse 18, but as it is, God has placed each one of the parts in the body. God has placed the parts in the body. So there is a place for you in the body, just like who wanted? He wanted. Verse 19, if all were one in the same body part, I love this line, what would happen to the body? I'll tell you what would happen to the body. It wouldn't function well. In other words, when parts are missing, what happens? The body ceases to function at peak performance. When parts are trying to perform what they were not designed to perform, what will happen to the body? The body ceases to function at peak performance. Which tells us all parts are needed to function at peak performance and all parts are needed to function at peak performance in the positions for which they were designed. So if the body of Christ... I'm going to say this slowly because I want to make sure this sinks in. If the body of Christ in a local church is not functioning correctly, and how do we know if it's not functioning correctly? Many ways, but two huge ways. One, the leaders are unable to do what they're gifted and called to do, and the needs of the people are going unmet. If that happens, then we know either parts are missing or parts are in the wrong position. Because when you have all the parts and they're in the right position, what happens? Peak performance. Everybody tracking? All right, good. Ephesians 4, last big passage. He gave some, he's talking to the church now, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. This is not an exhaustive list of all that he gave to the church, but these are the fivefold ministry gifts. And the reason I'm bringing this out is because I want you to see why he gave these gifts to the church. God gives to this church different people with different skills and abilities and functions. This is not, like I said, an exhaustive list, but it does highlight five-fold ministry, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Now, why did he give these gifts? I want you to see this, okay? I'm going to walk it through Scripture for you so you'll see it. Why did he do that? Here it is. His purpose, here it is, his purpose was to equip God's people for the work of serving and building up the body of Christ. So he gives certain gifts to the church so that the body of Christ is built up. And how long are we to be built up? Until we all reach the unity of faith and knowledge of God's Son. God's goal is for us to become mature adults. Why did he give gifts to the church? So that we can become mature adults. To be fully grown, measured by the standard of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so gifted and talented people are given to the church so the members are well-trained in serving and so all members become spiritually mature. And why is that important? Well, as a result, if all that happens, we aren't supposed to be infants any longer who can be tossed and blown around by every wind that comes from teaching with deceitful scheming and the tricks people play to deliberately mislead others. It's a mouthful. That's a brainful. Real simply, It's important because when you and I become mature, 
when we're all functioning in the right roles, we will be able, finally in our life, be able to discern truth from error, right from wrong, wisdom from foolishness. We will be able to know what's right and what's not right, where to go, where not to go, what's truth, what's error. And we won't be moved around by every crazy wind and doctrine that comes our way. And here's the capstone. Instead of all that silliness, instead we'll be speaking the truth in love. Love will be the outflow of all the gifts operating the right way. Let's grow in every way into Christ who is the head. The whole body grows from him. What does that tell us? He's the source. Watch this. And it is joined and held together by all the supporting ligaments. Can I ask you a question? You've got to think deeply here. Guess who the supporting ligaments are? It's a question. You, you can talk. Guess who the supporting ligaments are in the body of Christ? We are. That's exactly right. You and you and you and you and you and you and me. We hold the body of Christ together. He's the source. The growth comes from him. The strength comes from him. All of it comes from him. But as the body parts, the ligaments hold one another together. Love is built up. People are matured. And watch this last part. And the body makes itself grow in that it builds itself up with love. Love, love, love. The whole outflow of this thing is love. And how does all of that happen? As each one does its part. Man, that's good. So growth and love are natural as each one does its part. When you and you and you and you and you get in your part and function in your part and I function in my part, guess what happens? Growth and love, growth and love, growth and love, growth and love, growth and love and love, growth, and love. Some of us are, some of us aren't. All right, I need my four volunteers to come up. Four volunteers that I ask you to come up in the last service. Come on up here. Oh, you're, wow, you guys are close. Okay, good. These are more like voluntold. They really weren't volunteers, but anyway. All right, get in your positions just like you were earlier. Perfect, perfect. Ron's on his way up here. Ron's not only our voluntold person today, but he's also running our soundboard. So, great. Hey, here, here's a quick illustration. I just want to show you how this works. In this box, you're going to imagine that there is a very expensive gift, very fragile gift, okay? You have to hold it very carefully, very delicately. Very expensive gift. And I'm going to ask these folks up here to help us with distributing the gift, okay? So, Carla Beth, please take the gift. Now, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to pass this gift to Ron, who is at the end. But you have a, a few rules that you can't follow or you can't break. One, you can't move your feet, okay? Two, you can't throw it, all right? You can't kick it. You can't do anything like that. You have to, because it's very expensive, very fragile, and I want you to give this gift to Ron. Now, since you can't move your feet and you can't throw the gift, how are you going to get that gift to Ron? Very nicely. Very simple. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody wants to give them a hand. Okay, give them a hand. Yeah, that was, their brain's already smoking right now. That was, that, was, that was tough. All right, now Ron has the gift, and it flowed very easily. 
Carla Beth was able to get the gift to Ron. Now I'm going to ask Ron to take this very expensive gift and I'm going to ask him to pass it back to Carla Beth because she needs the gift again. Just a couple of different changes we're going to make. One, you can't move your feet, you can't kick it, you can't throw it. You have to just give the gift to Carla Beth to the best of your ability. But I'm going to ask you not to receive the gift when he gives it to you. Okay? And I'm going to ask you to just step out of the line entirely. All right? So Ron, you have the same exact request. Pass your gift, give your gift, whatever you need to do, get it to Carla Beth. Unable. No. And even if he took it, all right, so let's say he wakes up and he says, you know what, okay, fine. I'll help Ron pass the gift. So go ahead and take the gift when he gives it to you. Now you've got to give it to Carla Beth. And there's nobody there. I think you get the point. You see, when all the body parts are in position and the gift needs to flow, it's very simple when everybody's there. But when some people refuse to take the gift when it's offered to them and they don't want to do anything with it, and other people are just missing, the gift can't flow. When the body is set up the right way, it's a very simple thing to pass it because God designed the system. And when he designs a system, it functions well. But when we get involved and we don't want to do it, refuse to take the gift, step out and say, I'm not playing this game anymore, the entire body breaks down. Thank you guys so much, okay? Very, very, very important that you see how that works. God set us up for growth. He set us up for success, for health, for progression. All right, I want to show you one more verse of Scripture, then we're going to pray. You're getting ready to go, okay? You remember the story in Acts. We just gave you the story a moment ago where they had all these widows that were not being fed, not being taken care of. They came to the apostles. They came to the disciples and said, hey, we got a whole group of people that are not being fed. What are you going to do about it? And the apostles said, wait a minute, we're a body. We, it's you. You see, all these people are here because we're preaching and proclaiming the gospel. All these people are here because we've been praying and giving out truth. So now that they're here, you, the body, will have to meet the needs. Interesting. What happened? What happened? They got the seven men involved. They begin to pass out the food, and all the widows were fed. Watch what happens in Acts 6. The community presented these seven to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Here's the result. God's word continued to grow. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased significantly. Even a large group of priests embraced the faith. So what happened when the body got involved? The church grew and the needs were met. The church grew and the needs were met. The church grew and the needs were met. When we function according to the way we're designed, the church will grow, the needs will be met. And even the priests gave their life to Christ. Even people that you don't think will comes around. And it all happens because parts get involved and do what they're designed to do. Can I make this extremely practical right now before we go? Just here at Forest Park, you know what? Right now, we need about 15 people who would step up and say, I'm going to join First Impressions. I'm going to be part of a team because we've got some folks who are serving almost every single week 
because they love what they do, but they love the church. But we need some other folks that will say, you know what? You can count on me. I'll get on the, I'll get on the list. I'll get on the calendar. I'll be happy to serve. We need about 15 people who will join Kid Venture and help Miss Allison, who is a volunteer, take care of children, love children, check in families, smile at people, help her in all the different areas. We need about five people who will join the band, if you can sing it. We need about 50 people who will go outside and say, you know what, I'm going to join a group. I'm going to be part of a small group of people. We need about five people who will step up and say, hey, I'll help facilitate a group. We need about 25 families who will say, you know what, I'm going to start giving consistently and generously every single month. I could go on and on and on. Listen, here's here's the question I have as we finish up. Here's the question, okay? Are you a fully functioning ligament in the body of Christ? I don't know, that kind of sounds weird. I don't, I don't even know how to answer that. All right, well, here, here's an easier way of saying it. Do you know where you're supposed to serve? And are you serving faithfully and consistently? Well, Scott, I, I, I'm not even sure I know where to get started. Well, we have first step today at 4 o'clock. And I'm going to meet with people right there if it's two people or 20 people. I'm going to meet and answer questions and teach about who we are as a church and why we are here and what our vision is and how you can get involved and what it looks like and answer questions and help maybe you find a a place to serve. We've got group sign up right now going on. We need group leaders and people who will join groups. There's the band. Carla Beth is right here, our our worship pastor. She's happy to talk with you about what that looks like and help you get involved. There's giving. We have places online where you can give. All, All kinds of things. That's the question. And when we get in and do our part, we grow and needs are met. We grow and needs are met. We grow and needs are met. Let's pray. Father, here we are as your body at Forest Park. We do not have to have all the answers. We don't know all the answers. We don't know what's coming tomorrow. We don't know what's happening a month from today, but we know that you have gifted us and called us and commissioned us and designed us to function a certain way. Would you open our hearts, our eyes, our minds that we might see where that is and say yes rather than no. Join instead of pulling back. Receive the gift instead of dropping the gift. Hand the gift off so that we can grow and meet needs so that we can build one another up in love, so that we can be the body of Christ at Forest Park Church and function the way you've called us to function. We don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to have all the needs in our life met and all the issues fixed first. You take imperfect people. You take messed up people. That's what we are. And you love us as we are. And you help us find a place to serve together. We ask these things in the name of the one who is the head, the one who is the source, Jesus. Amen. Hope you guys have it.